This is Novel Marketing, Episode 6. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. I'm James L. Rubart. And this is the show for novelists who hate marketing but still want to become best-selling authors. So, Thomas, in this episode, we're going to talk about author business cards. It's so funny because all the emphasis is on websites, right? But you still go to a conference and people are going to ask for your card. And that often is the very first impression. So... So tell me, what is the, the purpose nowadays? What's the purpose of business cards? As a tech person, as an online, as a digital native, it hurts yes. me to say that a little piece of dead tree is still an important <laughs> marketing tool. I, I know. S- do we need this anymore? <laughs> I, mean, I kind of miss the days of the Palm Pilots when you could beam a business card from Palm Pilot to Palm Pilot. I don't know if yeah. you remember that. Yeah, Actually, I had an infrared connection. It was better than what we yeah. have now, which is all these different smartphone technologies and all these different apps, none of which talk to each other. But everyone can handle a business card. So what is the purpose of a business card? Well, there's two completely different purposes for business cards. I think a lot of authors get this confused with their business card. One is I just want to sell books. And it's a business card that you give to readers. And really, it's just a bigger version of your book cover. And that's a legitimate use of a business card. I think the better way to accomplish that goal is to put together a bookmark gives you a little bit okay. more room uh, to, to kind of pitch your book. It's hard to sell your book with just a business card. You can put your cover, though, which will help you kind of give it to someone and say, look for this book in the store, and it helps them find it either in the store or online. Put your cover on your – you're saying put your cover on your business card. That's right. But that, that works. In full but color. If you're, but somebody's probably more apt or they're more used to using a bookmark to mark a book than they would use right. a business card. Right. Yeah. So okay. the, the main thing for business cards is to connect with influencers. So you're at a writer's conference, you're at a networking event, and those people are really important. And the more that you can connect with them and follow up with them, the more likely you are to guest post on their blog or be featured on their radio show or that relationship may develop and suddenly you're down the road, you're doing a you know a, a co-book with them or they're writing a forward or a blurb. There's lots of reasons why you want to connect with influential people. And one of the keys is to have the kind of business card that you put into someone's hand. They take it and they go, wow. Right. That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode, how to get that wow okay. effect with your business card. So first, some technical things. I'm a big believer in a full-color, glossy front of your business card. I think the front of your business card, you know, it either has your photo or your book cover, depending on where you are in the publishing process, whether you're a public speaker or not, and how good of a headshot you have. Let's be honest. Some people are right. better off not putting their photo <laughs> on, their, on their business card. But you want, you want a nice color front, but on the back, I think that it should be just a paper or a mat, and it should be white. There should be a lot of white space on the business card. Why? See, okay, yeah, I want to know why because I'm, I'm going to – see, I disagree. So let's <laughs> let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, so the most valuable <clears throat> business cards that you give out are the ones where someone flips it over the back and writes a note on it saying, I need to follow up with this person about X. If they write on the back of your business card, their likelihood of following up goes up four or five times. It's a 500% improvement on the quality. So if you make it glossy on both sides, they can't write on it. Not everyone's going to write on it, but your goal in a conversation is to get someone to write something on the back of your sure, business card. Sure, and Must follow practice. up with this person, go to their website, whatever it is. And you want to do the same with their business card because you get 50 business cards at a conference and you have no idea who half these people are anymore. That note will really help you follow up. Yeah. And and the reason I push back is because I'm saying, wait a minute, for a minimal additional cost, I can get something on the back of that business card so I can make an impression. I can use that back. That real estate works. And so I might say, make it a matte finish so it can be written on in the front. Use that other 50% that's just blank 
and do something really cool with it. Because as you know, I'm always the, the George Costanza philosophy of do the opposite, do the opposite of what you think you should do. Most people do what, do the thing that everyone else isn't doing. So if everyone else has blank backs, I'm going to put something on there. If everyone else has a a back filled with graphics, I'm not going to put anything on there. So I I guess my point is I want to be different. I want to stand out. And one way I can do that is with the back. Yeah, you can have both. I've seen really effective business cards where it's a blank white finish on the back, but at the bottom is the website address and pretty big text. Okay. So they're they're still using part of it, or they have maybe the book cover on one side of the back and the other side of the back is blank. That allows for some of that. Right. If if you get with a higher-end business card design, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, Another thing that I recommend, and this is optional, but again, if you're wanting that wow factor, the material that your business card is made out of is really important. If you've got really cheap kind of paper-feeling business cards, people don't treat it as well. You give someone a thick cardstock business card, and you'll see them treat that business card differently. And if you're ever in an Asian country they have a customer, that card represents you as a person. And so Mm. you give it with two hands, they receive it with two hands, and they'll hold it in front of them during that conversation. There's a lot of respect treated towards that business card, and they're made of a higher quality material. There's no reason we can't do that here on the Western side of the world. Treat that business card a little bit better and make it out of something a little bit better. And I've seen it happen. Getting cards made out of a really nice cardstock, a thicker cardstock, you hand it to someone, it's got that full color front, and they go, wow, this is a really good business card, even if the front is just a logo or something. Well, it's, it's tactile when I know what happens to me when I get a card and here's, here's the point going back to, okay, do it different than everybody else. I'd say out of all the business cards I get, I'd say one out of 50 is that really nice, heavy cardstock. And I notice it. I notice it. it. It does make an impact. And the thing is, is it's not that much more expensive. Uh, it's the easiest way to be classy. It's kind of the Starbucks coffee of uh, marketing. You know, most things with marketing, if you want to do it in a classy way, it's going to cost you a lot of money. But to have an, a classy business card, maybe an extra 20 bucks or an extra 50 yeah. bucks for yeah. 500 business cards, you're talking a few pennies per card in additional cost for a lot more uh, Big impression. So another tip that I have is to keep it a standard size. Sometimes people go crazy with business cards and get them twice as big or half the size or make them circular instead of square. And these, this can be good in rare circumstances, but generally it means that your business card doesn't get filed away in wherever they're storing business cards if it's too big or if it doesn't fit. If you have more space than fits on a business card, get the kind of folding kind where you can open it up and it's a bigger room, but it still fits in that business card slot in someone's wallet. If you give me a business card and I can't put it in my wallet, Chances are it goes in my pocket, and that is not a good place for your business card to be. (laughs) Things in my pocket end up in the trash, typically. You want to get put in my wallet where where everything I'll go through at the end of the week or at the end of the conference. Okay, so uh, what do you put on a business card? Some things are obvious, some things are obvious, and some things are not so obvious. For example, you, you will put your name. Your name will go on that business card. Now, if you're using a pseudonym, do you put your pseudonym or do you put your real name. I mean, that's something that, that we need to talk about here. That's a great uh, question. I think that that depends on who the audience for the business card is if, right? and who you're known by. So some people in the industry amongst publishers and editors, they're known by their real name, but to readers, they're known by a second name. Right. In that case, if the business card is your contact information, I would put it, put both. If your business card is just for readers, 
I would leave off your real name. I'm, I'm not a fan of pseudonyms in general. I think I, I'm not either. Marketing I'm not either. A lot more difficult. And this is yeah. the kind of example. It's like, what <laughs> name do I put on my business? Like these sorts of questions should be very easy. <laughs> That's right. But pseudonyms... Thomas Olmstead Jr. Writing as Thomas Rupert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. It, it, it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't work. Unless you're a man trying to write uh, romance, then I can understand a pseudonym, you know, kind of high. No one wants to read a romantic book written by a man. <laughs> typically. Um, so I recommend putting your email address and your phone number. If you're, if you're not putting these two pieces of information, people really don't know how to follow up with you. And I know a lot of authors t- intimidated to put uh, their phone number, like people are going to call me at all, at all hours. I don't think that that's a problem. Um, if, you, if you're really feeling comfortable about that, you can get a Google voice number that you put on your business card and then set it not to ring during certain hours. It'll go straight to voicemail. But remember, this is your opportunity to connect with influencers, people with blogs, people with podcasts, people with radio shows or whatever, and they need to be able to get a hold of you. And they need in the email address you put on there needs to be an email address that you check on a regular basis. A lot right. of authors have the kind of right. good email address and then they have their spam email address. Make sure you put your good email address. This is what. Yeah. I, and Tom's back to the phone number again, because I am, uh, you know, a, a multi-published author. I put my phone number on my card because I want people to be able to get a hold of me easily. And there's some people out there that go, the greatest form of communication is email. Well, good. You've got my email address. And other people go, no, it's not. It's a phone number. I can text or I can call. So you have to give them both options. And the way I look at it is I typically will not answer a phone call if it's an unknown number. If it's I don't have that person in my phone, I won't answer it. But they can leave a message and I can get back. So I am a fan of the, the phone number. Absolutely. Another thing every business card needs is your website. For a lot of authors, their website is an extension of their business card. So don't squeeze all of the information you possibly can into your business card. That can get you into trouble because the font gets smaller and smaller until suddenly if someone has to get out their reading glasses to read your business card, you're in trouble because, you know, just that just makes everything harder. So, uh, but, but I think that's uh, not to interrupt you, Thomas. Well, I guess I did interrupt you. So I did mean <laughs> to interrupt you, but, but you bring up, you bring up two really good points, two really good points. First of all, your business card needs to be an extension of your website or vice versa. In other words, continuity in marketing is so important. And if an agent or an editor or another author gets your card, looks at your gar- card and goes, oh, cool, and then goes to your website and it's a totally different, different look, that's a disconnect. The second thing that you mentioned, Thomas, that I think is really important is you don't have to put the entire universe, <laughs> your universe, on that card. The card is a worm on the hook. You are trying to get them to swallow the hook, which sends them to the website, and then they can find everything. Don't put every worm on one hook. That's right. So, you know, some people are like, well, should I put my Facebook or should I put my Twitter on your business card? And I would say no, actually. I would say put your website, and then at the very top of your homepage needs to be those icons for Facebook right. or for Twitter. Several reasons for this. One, your Twitter account or your Facebook address might change for one reason or another. Or let's say you print a thousand cards and they're going to last you for five years. Well, five years from now, the biggest social network may not be Facebook or Twitter. Right. You might want to be, you know, featuring Pinterest or Instagram or Google Plus or whatever the new kid on the block is. And putting your web address gives you that flexibility to swap out what gets the preference and what doesn't. Um, so I would avoid social media links. I would also avoid putting a QR code on there. And I know some people you are yeah, but you know, oh, Thomas, come on, QR codes are cool. <laughs> Yeah, and they might be cool for. They might even be cool for next month, even two <laughs> months from now. 
yeah, three months. The problem with QR codes is that most people don't know how to use them, and the people who have use them, and all it took them was to someone's homepage. Right. And what's the Nothing. point when I can just type yeah. it in? Yeah. QR codes, incredibly popular in other countries. I think Japan, they've been using them for over 10 years and they're really, really popular. They've not caught on here in the States. Now, if you are going to put in a QR code, you need to have that code go to a special mobile optimized page that's different from your homepage and has something special. So scan this code to get a free sample of my book or something like that. That could work. But again, I don't know if people are going to be using QR codes in five years. And for those of you listening in the future, you'll know if they took off or not. I'll tell you that MS codes, Microsoft's codes with the colors, just got discontinued. Microsoft said these didn't get traction. And even though major brands were using them, they're stopping support of them. And the codes aren't even going to work a year from now. Wow. Wow. And so that's another scary thing about QR codes is that they – now, QR codes, the way they work, they'll never break uh, because of the way the algorithm works they're unlikely to completely break but it may be that they make it look really dated it's like oh qr codes those are so popular in the 2000 teens and <laughs> right. those are so out now uh, whereas your simple web address will always be classy now i will say leave off the http from your web address and i'd also recommend using what's called camel case so the first letter of each word in your web address should be capital so if we're using mine it would be www.capital t for thomas and then capital u for umstat uh, thomasumstat.com and it's all right there together that just makes it a little bit more readable or very novel very marketing with capital easier n, to read yeah and a capital m all right so finally we talked about uh, why you need a card what to put on it now where do you get the card printed so we have a few options here from expensive and fancy to really cheap and not fancy so the kind of premier place if you're wanting an excellent business card design i would go to 99designs.com Jim, have you ever have you heard of 99 Designs? Yeah, familiar with them. And the thing I love about 99 Designs and and you folks out there who haven't heard of them is you get options. Yes. You lots get of all options. these options. For you they used to be you found a gra- and this is horrible because I have friends who are graphic designers, but it used to be you found one guy who's a graphic designer and he's going to do your card. But the problem is what if he's a certain style that just doesn't fit your you don't know that. Uh, so not to steal your thunder, Thomas, talk a little bit more about why 99designs is so uh, effective. Well, you hit the nail on the head. What 99designs does, for those of you who haven't been there, they host a design contest for you. So instead of one graphic designer designing your business card, you might get a dozen or dozens and dozens of folks making your business card. And you can rank them, and people will see the ratings of the other cards and do them even closer to what you're looking for. And so for $199, which is the current price for a business card, you might get you know 50 or 75 options for your business card. So you, you get a card that is exactly what you're looking for, or much more likely to be exactly what you're looking for. Now, that's just for the design. You're still going to have to get them printed at a business card printing shop. There will be many, many in your uh, local area. You can also find some online. So that's one option. The next option is to go with odesk.com or elance.com. And we'll have all of these links in the show notes that you can find at novelmarketing.com forward slash six for episode six. And Odesk and Elance connect you with that single graphic designer like what Jim was talking about. And they're going to be less expensive. You can probably get someone to make you a card design anywhere for $20 for the design to $150 for a design. This is still a professional designer, um, but it's going to be not as many options as what you get with 99designs. 
And can I talk just for a second, Thomas, perspective, people that are, that are saying 200 bucks or I have to spend 150 bucks or even 100 bucks for a, a design. When I opened my first ad agency in 1994, if you could get somebody to do a logo for you for 3,500 bucks, oh my gosh, that was a screaming deal. Yeah, and those were $94 <laughs> back when the dollar was worth more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's right. And so really the, the prices for these are just extremely inexpensive. Yes, although it gets less expensive than that. So we have two more choices that are even cheaper than what I just mentioned, and those are Moo.com, M-O-O.com, and Vistaprint.com. You've probably heard of Vistaprint. They were famous in the 90s for having free business cards. You can still get (laughs) free business cards from them that aren't free. You still pay for shipping and then have their their logo on it, which is very cheesy. I think no business card is better than a Vistaprint branded card. Right. But what's nice about Moo.com is that they have templates for you So you can have a professional-looking card, but you can control it yourself. And so there's no design cost. You just pay for the cards themselves. And a lot of you are like, well, that's the option I'm going to go for. But let me remind you, you're not a graphic designer. Or you may not be. Some of you are. But if you don't have Even though that, you play one on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> no, on TV. On TV. Yeah. I'm not a graphic designer. It's something I realize is a weakness of mine. And I run a web design agency. So you might be like, well, how do you do that? Well, I hire people who are good at graphic design. I can tell a good design from a bad design, but I couldn't make a good design on my own. I have, I have a team for that. And that's the pitfall of doing it yourself is that you're like... I see all these beautiful cards. How do I have one that looks good? Well, the nice thing about having a template is that it kind of it's paint by numbers yeah. and makes it easier for you. So Moo.com has this really nice deluxe paper stock version that gives you that thick quality that I really like. But Vistaprint also has really good deals. Both of them start around $15 or $20 for 500 cards plus shipping, I think is about the pricing. So there's no excuse to be at a conference with no business cards. If you can't afford the 20 or $50 for business cards, you need to go get a job at <laughs> the business cards and then go to the conference Yeah, because that return on investment from the money you're investing in the conference will be so much less if you're not able to put business cards in the hands of those editors and agents. All right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by My Book Table. Uh, you can find out more at mybooktable.com. If you have books that you want to sell on your website, My Book Table is a WordPress plugin that makes it easy to make those buttons, those uh, books pages on your website look amazing with buy buttons for sites like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Kindle and iBooks and dozens of others. If you are having trouble making your website look good, this is an easy, free way to level up the quality of your website. And there's also a premium version that you can get that gives you affiliate links so that you make money every time someone buys your book on Amazon or on Barnes & Noble. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast. We love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a story about an awesome business card that you have for yourself, or maybe it's one you've seen. We'd love to hear about that. And again, thank you for listening. Novel Marketing Podcast is what you've been listening to, giving you novel ideas on how to sell yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.